Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Glasgow Times Sports Podcast, normally recorded in our studio at the Bishop Briggs Media Centre, currently recorded from our volunteers' homes. To keep in touch with us, use our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter, which are all at Q&Review. That's C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W. Or get in touch via information at qandreview.com. That's information at c-u-e-a-n-d-r-e-v-i-e-w.com. Please like and share our podcast and give us any constructive feedback. Evening Time Sport, July 6. Bologna ace Aaron Hickey shares image from training ground. Aaron Hickey has shared an image from Bologna's training ground amid transfer speculation linking him with a move to Celtic. The former Hearts ace was with the hoops as a youngster and it is understood that the Parkhead club are keen to bring him back. It has been reported that Celtic would need to splash out around £4 million to have any chance of bringing Hickey back to Glasgow. An Italian newspaper has reported that a bid has been made as Postecoglou looks to rebuild the Celtic squad. Reports today have suggested that the Hoops face stiff competition from Fiorentina for Hickey's signature, with the 19-year-old keen to stay in Italy this season. Asked about the transfer speculation surrounding him, Hickey said recently, I am fully aware that there has been interest. I can see it all, but I have just got to keep my head down and keep my full focus on Bologna just now. Hickey shared an image of the Bologna training ground on his Instagram story this morning and tagged the official club page. The Scotland Youth International had been back in Scotland during close season as he recovered from an operation on both shoulders. Report by Aidan Smith Evening Times Sport, July 6 British and Irish Lions Stuart Hogg cheers on England at Euros as team spirit sinks in. Report by Stuart Bathgate The ability to bring four very different nations together has always been seen as a prerequisite of success for the British and Irish Lions and Elliot Daly has claimed that, in one sense, it has already been achieved. According to the Englishman, the Lions squad gathered after Saturday's 56-14 win over the Sigma Lions to watch the European Championships quarter-final between England and Ukraine, and Scotland captain Stuart Hogg was one of those cheering on Gareth Southgate's side as they won 4-0. We all sat down and watched the second half after the game on the weekend, Saracens back daily said. I think everyone was supporting England, to be fair which was good. Some of the Scottish lads were sitting on the bench. Finn Russell was sitting on the fence, but I think we persuaded Hoggy to be an Englishman for a bit. 
England's victory in Rome has taken them through to a semi-final against Denmark tomorrow night at Wembley. The Sharks' match has been brought forward an hour to avoid a clash with the Wembley semi, although Daly himself did not seem sure of that when he was asked if he would be able to watch the game again. He said, I hope so. I don't know what time kick-off is. It's all going well. Hopefully we get another win and have our first final for a while. Lions head coach Warren Gatland, a New Zealander, said he was also backing England and their coach Gareth Southgate to go all the way and win their first major trophy in more than half a century. He said, There has already been a bit of excitement in the camp with the English boys following the football. It is fantastic that they've got a semi-final, and from our point of view it will be great if they get to the final and win it. Just because it is a different sport doesn't mean we don't follow them and support them. So to Gareth and the team, we just wish them all the best. Daly, primarily thought of as a winger, came off the bench at centre against the Sigma Lions and he will play from the beginning in the same position tomorrow. Only two Scots will join him in the starting lineup. Winger Duan van der Merve, who scored on his Lions debut against Japan at Murrayfield 10 days ago, and tight head prop Xander Ferguson. The Glasgow forward had been due to play alongside van der Merve against the Japanese but had to pull out after suffering back spasms in training. He was a substitute against the Sigma Lions and looked untroubled during his 25 minutes on the field. Three other Scots are among the replacements tomorrow night. Hogg, Chris Harris and Rory Sutherland. Hogg, who captained the Lions from his usual position of fullback, is covering standoff against the Sharks. Dan Bigger starts as the playmaker and neither of his rivals for the number 10 jersey in the tests, Russell and Owen Farrell, have been named in the squad. Harris, who had some impressive touches against the Sigma Lions, including a clever chip ahead for the opening try, will cover the outside back positions. Meanwhile, Sutherland, now listed as a Worcester Warriors player, along with Van der Merwe following their transfers from Edinburgh, is cover for Mako Vunipola at Loosehead. England forward Tom Curry makes his Lions debut in the back row after recovering from a pectoral injury, and Wales' Adam Baird and Josh Navidi will also play for the select for the first time after being late call-ups for their compatriots Alan Wynne-Jones and Justin Tipurich. Ulster lock Ian Henderson will captain the side. Munster's Connor Murray, who was named as tour captain when Jones was ruled out with a dislocated shoulder, is scrum half cover for Gareth Davis of Wales. The team Gatlin picked on Saturday 
looks closer to his first choice 15 than the one he has selected to take on the Sharks. But the coach insisted that nothing had been set in stone when it came to the team for the three-match test series against the Springboks. He said, I want this group of men to feel that everyone has got an opportunity right up until the test matches. The message four years ago to the players who played on the Tuesday night before the first test was that we had not selected the test team and that there were still spots up for grabs and a couple of players played well that night to get themselves selected in the test team. I think players want to hear that message about everyone having an opportunity. We have spoken about giving everyone a start in the first three games and we have done that. Report by Stuart Bathgate. Evening Times Sport, July 6. Celtic in Wales. A first glimpse of Postecoglou's style. Report by Graeme McGarry. Life, as they say, comes at you fast. Postecoglou is finding out that it is particularly true when you are the manager of Celtic. No sooner has the Australian got out of isolation and into the country than he is off on his travels again, taking his players to Wales for a pre-season training camp and a clutch of friendlies. The first of those warm-up matches comes on Wednesday afternoon against, fittingly enough, Sheffield Wednesday, and it will be the first chance for Celtic supporters to see their team under Postecoglou's guidance. With the Scottish international players only joining up with the squad now, they are unlikely to feature in the first friendly outing so the personnel will not be an accurate reflection of the lineup, which will take on FC Mitchelland in Celtic's first Champions League qualifier in a fortnight. But Celtic supporters will be watching the game closely for signs of the system and approach that Postecoglou will adopt going forward, and how much of his philosophy he has been able to impart to the rather ragtag collection of want-away players, young talents and fringe men that have been at his disposal over the last two weeks on the training field. A video from one of those Lennoxtown sessions with Postecoglou mic'd up has given fans a tantalising glimpse of the high-energy, high-pressing game that he demands with his sweary diktat to his players about not stopping until they are celebrating at the end of the game, going down well with supporters. This may also be a glimpse of the new and improved communication strategy of Chief Executive Dom Mackay, with more access for fans to see what really goes on behind the scenes. But back to the matter at hand. And Wednesday may also be fielding something of a weakened side, given that Celtic seem to be hoovering up most of their promising young talent. Both Liam Shaw and Osazie Yurhogaid 
may well be given their debuts, and opportunity will be knocking for others as well as the former Hillsborough duo. First, there are those looking to revive their Celtic careers, and you need to look no further than the man likely to be between the sticks for the perfect example. Vasilis Barkas, the £4.5 million signing from AEK Athens last summer, had a torrid debut season in Scotland. He lacked physical stature, failed to command his area, and his shot-to-save ratio of a little over 60% made him one of the lowest-ranked keepers in the Premiership, as well as a bit of a laughing stock. As a result, he was in and out of Neil Lennon's side, with both Scott Bain and Connor Hazard taking the gloves at various points of the campaign, while interim boss Kennedy preferred Bain to the Greek international when he took the reins in February. While allowances should be made for the difficulty of adapting to a new country, culture and style of football during a pandemic, it was still a hugely disappointing contribution from Barkas, and a return to his former club earlier this summer appeared to offer the best solution for all parties. That failed to materialise though, and the 27-year-old could be handed another chance to show he can handle playing for a club like Celtic under Postecoglou. Tony Ralston is another who may be surprised himself to still be a Celtic player, with the decision to take up a 12-month extension to his contract after just 10 first-team appearances last season, raising an eyebrow or two. The right-back has spent time out on loan with Dundee United and St Johnston, and a club of that stature might have been expected to have been his next destination but he has been handed the chance to show that he can be more than just a backup at Celtic, however uphill battle that may be. Lee O'Connor, who spent last season on loan at Tranmere, may have a greater chance of staking a claim for the role. On the other side of the defence, for the first friendly, may be forgotten man Bolly Bolingoli, who did have permission to jump on this particular plane. Could the dozy day-tripper have a fresh start under Postecoglou? Celtic's dogged pursuit of Aaron Hickey would suggest not, with the club confident that a £3.5 million bid can bring the former Hartsman home from Bologna, despite interest from the likes of Fiorentina. Also aboard the flight were Christopher Ager and Olivier Nitchum, but they may be along to keep them ticking over for their next moves, particularly in Ager's case, with Norwich City trying to barter a deal in the region of £12 million to land at the Norwegian centre-back. Another player to fall into this category may be Odson Edward who also made the journey south, having been left out of the France squad for the Olympic Games in Tokyo. 
There have been murmurs that Celtic may consider allowing the Frenchman's contract to run down rather than accept the reduced fee they would be able to attract at this juncture with just 12 months of his deal left and at least get the campaign out of him. But that would be a big departure for new Chief Executive Mackay to make from the policy of the previous regime and would represent a real risk given Edward's diminished contribution over last term after being denied a move away last summer. There is further intrigue in the forward positions, with Albion and Jetty still looking to justify his hefty price tag in much the same vein as Barker's, while it remains to be seen whether Lee Griffiths will sink or swim under Postecoglou's demanding regime to make the most of the 12-month repeat he too has been handed. With Postecoglou hoping to welcome a host of new signings, such as Hickey and Croatian defender Marion Vuskovic, this first game may not answer many of the questions surrounding the Celtic squad. But with further friendlies against Charlton Athletic, Bristol City to come, before returning home to face Preston North End, the trip to Wales may tell us a lot about what to expect under Postecoglou this season. Report by Graeme McGarry Evening Time Sport July 6. Former Rangers and Scotland midfielder Graeme Dorans returns to Scotland. Report by Aidan Smith. Graeme Dorans has returned to Scotland following his stint in Australia with Western Sydney Wanderers. The former Rangers and Dundee midfielder made 23 appearances for the A-League outfit during the 2020-21 season and scored four goals along the way. Former Scotland international Dorns still had a year left on his contract, but he will return to his homeland due to family reasons. He told Western Sydney Wanderers official website, I have thoroughly enjoyed my experience playing in front of such amazing fans. Everyone at the club has been so welcoming and I would like to thank the gaffer, Kenny, all the staff and the players. They are a great bunch of players and staff that I'm sure will bring success to this club. Unfortunately for family reasons, I have had to return home, but I wish the whole club every success in the future. Report by Aidan Smith one of the readers at Q&Review. Review. Helen Keller explained thoughtfully, blindness is an unfortunate handicap, but true vision does not require the eyes. Hopefully Q&Review Review provides the vision for our listeners through the eyes of our readers. As a retired journalist, I know the power of the written word, knowledge to be gained, ideas to be considered, humour, or simply the day's news to be reported. I hope, as do all our readers, 
So, if like Bill, you'd love to encourage friends to listen, visit qnreview.com forward slash free podcasts for the online ways they can tune in, or call us on 0141 772 to be guided through. Evening Time Sport, July 7. Bologna name whopping price tag for Aaron Hickey. Report by Mark Henry. Celtic could be priced out of a move for Aaron Hickey as Bologna named their price for the defender, according to reports. The left-back has been a long-time target for the Hoops, who are understood to be keen on him once again this summer. Greg Taylor and Bolly Bolingoli are the club's two recognised wing-backs on that flank but Postecoglou fancies having £3.5 million set aside to spend on Hickey. That won't be nearly enough though, according to Italian outlets, who claim the club want a staggering £8 million for the young prospect after one season in Serie A. The price tag for the 19-year-old comes as Fiorentina have registered an interest. With Seniza Mihalovic believed to be hopeful, the hefty fee could put clubs off bidding. Meanwhile, Swedish centre-half Karl Starfelt has emerged as a target for Celtic, who want the Ruben Kazan ace to replace want-away Chris Ager long-term. Report by Mark Hendry. Evening Time Sport, July 7. Casper Smeichel savagely slaps down its coming home question as Scots support Denmark against England. Report by Mark Hendry. Casper Smeichel has endeared himself to Scottish football after taking a swipe at England's it's coming home mantra. Denmark face the old enemy in the Euro 2020 semi-final, but the Leicester City goalkeeper was in no mood to hear the polarising phrase uttered during his pre-match press conference as his side prepared to do battle at Wembley. Asked what it would mean for the Danes to stop it coming home, a sarcastic Schmeichel responded, has it ever been home? After a slight chuckle, the stopper continued, I don't know, have you ever won it? That was followed up by the journalist replying, In 66 it was home, to which Smeichel again posed the question, Yes, but was that not the World Cup? Smeichel continued giggling when the reporter specified his meaning of winning a major tournament. But Scottish fans were delighted to see the Fox's star put the journalist in his place. One laughed. Love Casper. He definitely has Scottish blood in him. While another added, That's savage, and I'm here for it. One commented, Can you see him rolling his eyes as soon as they mentioned, It's coming home. And a fourth said, Well done. Put them out and the world will celebrate with you. Report by Mark Hendry.
Evening Times Sport, July 7. Stephen Naismith's Champions League desire for Rangers laid bare. Report by Mark Hendry. Stephen Naismith is desperate to see his former club Rangers back in the Champions League big time on a consistent basis. Naismith was part of a Rangers team who played regular European football on the grandest stage and he hopes to see his former employers doing so again now that they have established themselves as Scotland's top club. Stephen Gerrard's charges hoisted the Premiership trophy aloft last season for the first time in 10 years to ensure they would be back in contention for the Champions League qualifiers. And the now retired striker, who has become Hart's new player development manager, wants to see qualification becoming the norm as it was under the likes of Walter Smith and Alex McLeish. He said, everything that could have been said has been said about the last 10 years. It has been some of the hardest times for Rangers as a club. For the four or five seasons before the club last played in the Champions League qualifiers, we constantly competed in Europe, getting to a UEFA Cup final, getting to the Champions League and having some memorable nights along the way. It was the norm back for us then. It has been a long time coming. So hopefully this is going back to being the norm. I think both the old firm clubs thrive in the Champions League. You see the number of teams and players who come and play in Glasgow and give a glowing reference to how good the stadium is and how good the fans are. And we need more of that in Scottish football. The Champions League is a major draw for ambitious footballers and Naismith believes Rangers making it there could be a major boost for keeping their star men. But he also says it could help the light blues appeal to other top talent they may hope to bring in. He added, the majority of those guys who won the league, potentially they could have interest in them, but a massive draw for them to stay is to play in the Champions League. There is not a bigger club competition. When I moved down south, it was one of the big questions a lot of players would ask. What's it like to play in the Champions League? There are players desperate to do that. Rangers are in a very good position. They have pulled back Celtic and things are looking good. But you can't rest on that success from last season. One thing about the old firm. You have to be ahead of the game. Report by Mark Hendry. Evening Time Sport, July 7. It's a complete joke. Glasgow Tesco plays English anthem Vindaloo over Tannoy's system. Report by Gregor Young. Tesco has been accused of pouring salt in the wounds of Scottish football fans after playing an English supporter's anthem from the store Tannau. Our sister title, The National, reports they were contacted by an anonymous member of the Tatan Army 
ahead of England's Euro 2020 semi-final clash with Denmark to say they felt the store had shown little or no regard to their customers in Scotland by playing Vindaloo by Fat Les in one of their Glasgow branches. The song's famous refrain goes, Na na na, na na na, na na na, we're England. We're gonna score one more than you, England. The Scotland supporters said they were completely shocked to hear the England song being played over the tannoy. It's a complete joke, they added. Scotland were eliminated after the group stage of the tournament, but played three games including an historic draw with England at Wembley. It was the first time the national men's team had appeared in the finals of a major tournament since the World Cup in 1998. The fan told the national, Scotland have had a wonderful achievement this summer, reaching a major final for the first time in 23 years. Not once over the last month when I was in Tesco did I hear any Tartan Army songs being played. They had a chance to help boost national pride, but instead this is just salt in the wounds to any Scottish supporter. Of course we should want England to do well, but to blatantly ignore the fact that a huge part of your customer base will not be supporting the English team is nothing but blatant ignorance. Evening Time Sport, July 8. Aberdeen's J. Emmanuel Thomas, racially abused with monkey emoji. Report by Mark Hendry. Aberdeen striker J. Emmanuel Thomas was subjected to racist abuse after commenting on Rangers ace Jermaine Defoe's Instagram page. The Don's frontman took to social media to call out the yob for replying to a comment from J. Emmanuel Thomas with a monkey and banana emoji. Sharing a screenshot of himself writing Certi on Defoe's post after the Jers ace beamed about being named captain during a friendly against Patrick Thistle. J. Emmanuel Thomas was fuming with the abuse. He said, there's always one. Have you got nothing better to do at 8.30am? Instagram have confirmed that they are investigating the comments while Aberdeen have been approached for comment. The brainless comment left by the person is not the first time in recent months where racism has reared its ugly head on social media. We told how, following Rangers' defeat to Slavia Prague, where Glenn Kamara was racially abused, that his teammate Kamar Roof was sent monkey emojis in the aftermath on Instagram. Former Celtic loanee Timothy Weir was also abused online with monkey emojis. Report by Mark Hendry. Evening Time Sport, July 8. Sharks 7, British and Irish Lions 54. Lions earn comfortable win despite COVID uncertainty in South Africa. 
The build-up to the British and Irish Lions' second tour game of South Africa may have been as chaotic as the off-field circumstances surrounding the campaign, but the result was reassuringly familiar. Warren Gatlin's charges, having endured a day in which they did not know the fixture would go on until just over two hours before an extended kick-off, and no less than eight COVID-19 enforced changes to their matchday squad, almost went through the motions in putting 54 points past a game but ultimately outclassed Sharks team. Playing at the altitude of Johannesburg, supposedly not to break a bio-bubble that has sprung more leaks than a sieve in the last few days, the Lions still found themselves having to countenance the disruption eight changes after two positive tests were found in their ranks. Gatlin said, It was quite surreal, and it's been a real challenge. We did not get the fresh round of test results back until 5.30pm, and the staff and players were in their rooms until 6 o'clock this evening for an 8pm start. We then had to make a few changes, but we are incredibly proud of the performance, the players, and how they adjusted, and how the staff worked so hard. I came away thinking I was proud, more than the performance, of the togetherness of the group. While the changes meant an unprecedented 7-1 split on the bench, with Scotland's Finn Russell the lone back, the visitors somehow mustered something approaching fluency in their play, scoring eight tries to the Sharks' lone consolation effort, despite finishing the game with 13 men, wingers Duan van der Merwe and Louis Rees Zamet had to cry off with tightening hamstrings. Six of those tries went to hat-tricks by Scotland's South African import winger van der Merwe and the glutinous Josh Adams, whose three tries took him to seven in just two games on tour, and one apiece to Bundy Aki and Rhys Zamet. Continued Gatland, our message to the players was Let's use this as a positive. Look at it as whatever's thrown at us, we can deal with it, because nothing's going to phase us. We were in a situation where we were not in control of things, and just had to go with the flow and adjust. We have talked about the team should be in a situation of chaos, we need to adapt and change. Van der Merwe's man-of-the-match haul was helped as much by the Lions' ability to find their outside back space as it was by the host's strange decision to swap their wingers. The physical Werner Koch and the slight Thakir Abrahams, meaning the latter faced the big, powerful and fast Scott. Abrahams looked as hapless as the ten-year-old run over by England Prime Minister Boris Johnson a couple of years ago 
as he was brushed aside by the brute from George to open his account. Welshman Adams appears to be taking to the field with a GPS. Such is his happy knack for being at the right place at the right time. As plucky as the hosts, who ran onto the field to the Getting Strong Now song from Rocky, Van der Merwe's muscular hat-trick was not the only example of the game being a case of men against boys. With their physicality in contact, occupying for sharks, then should have been the case. The net effect was a harrowing of the host defence and an opening of opportunities out wide. Coupled with the intensity and searing tempo at which the lines were playing, the Sharks, themselves not a high bell team, had no hope. Evening Time Sport, July 8. Lee Griffiths leaves Celtic training camp as club launch probe into inappropriate message claims. Report by Mark Hendry. Lee Griffiths has left Celtic's training camp in Wales as the club investigate claims he sent inappropriate messages to an underage girl. The striker is alleged to have sent the girl, claimed to be 15 years old, flirty DMs. Police Scotland confirmed that they would be looking into the allegations which surfaced on social media. And now the club have told how they would launch their own probe into the alleged incident, as Griffiths left the Welsh camp while the investigation was ongoing. A statement from the Hoops said, We have been made aware of online comments concerning Lee Griffiths. The club will now look into this matter carefully. Lee has left the training camp as we do this. It would not be appropriate to make any further comment at this time. We told how Griffiths, aged 30, recently put pen to paper on a new one-year deal at Parkhead, following new head coach Postecoglou's conversation with the player over his attitude. Report by Mark Hendry. Evening Time Sport, July 8. Ryan Kent details the mentality shift that helped clinch the Premiership title. Report by Chris Jack. Ryan Kent has detailed the shift in mentality that helped Rangers clinch the Premiership title at the third time of asking under Stephen Gerrard's guidance. Rangers stormed to the league flag last term as an unbeaten Premiership campaign saw them finish 25 points ahead of Celtic and end their old firm rivals' dreams of 10 in a row. Gerrard had seen his side fall short in their two previous seasons as Rangers were unable to maintain the momentum during the second half of the title race and were left empty-handed on both occasions. There was nothing that could stop the champions in their tracks last time out, however, and Kent, who scored the winner in the opening day win at Pitodry, was pleased the Rangers' mental gains paid off in such emphatic circumstances. 
Kent told the Rangers official souvenir magazine, It is always important to go and start on the right foot. I think the manner in which we played and the result from that game away to Aberdeen was key to the way the season unfolded. But for myself, if you go back earlier in pre-season, you could tell that the level had gone up significantly. The fitness and the quality were there, and to win the trophy at the competition over in France was important as well, as we knew that would stand us in good stead for the season. There was a lot going on outside the game, but as soon as we came back in last summer, I think we needed to understand the winning mentality of football. That was the biggest thing. There were a lot of times last season when we played really well and came off the pitch with a draw or a loss and we couldn't understand why. This year we have approached every game like it is a cup final and I think that switch in mentality is what has won us the trophy. That was our only expectation as well, to win the league. We knew it was there for the taking. With the confidence and belief that was given to us by the coaching staff, we knew we could go and deliver it. We understood the circumstances of protecting Rangers' legacy with nine in a row. We knew it had to happen this year. That was a non-negotiable. We had to go and lift that trophy. And everybody bought into the philosophies and the ethos and what was being demanded by the coaches. We understood what the football club and the fans needed. We have made a lot of sacrifices this year and made it happen. So we can all be proud of that. Report by Chris Jack. Evening Times Sport, July 8. Rangers to face Real Madrid in Glamour Ibrox Friendly. Report by Chris Jack. Rangers will face Real Madrid in a Glamour Ibrox Friendly later this month. The La Liga Giants will make the trip to Glasgow on Sunday July 25 as Steven Gerrard's side round off their pre-season schedule. The blockbuster fixture comes as Rangers prepare to become the first major European club to celebrate their 150th anniversary next year. The champions will host Arsenal at Ibrox next weekend as they prepare for their Premiership title defence and return to the Champions League. And Carlo Ancelotti's star-studied Real squad will now head to Glasgow as part of the 150th celebrations. A Rangers statement read, This meeting is sure to be a superb occasion and a fantastic test for Steven Gerrard's side ahead of the UEFA Champions League qualifiers as two of European football's most famous names go head to head. Ticketing information will be communicated in due course and Rangers TV will be the only place broadcasting the match. Our Football Business Award nominated coverage will continue with all five of Rangers remaining pre-season matches shown live. 
a special July match pass granting access to all five games will be available for just £29.95 and covers the Tranmere, Arsenal, Blackpool, Brighton and Real Madrid matches. Report by Chris Jack. Evening Times Sport, July 8. Scotland fans fume at commentary during England's Euro 2020 semi-final win. Scottish fans watching last night's Euro 2020 semi-final were left irked at ITV's commentary. Lead commentator Sam Matterface had the Tartan army annoyed after declaring England's extra time win over Denmark a free-for-all and suggesting the old enemy deserve this after Covid-related issues over the past 18 months. Fans listened on as Matterface and co-commentator Lee Dixon gushed over their players who won 2-1 thanks to a late Harry Kane strike following a missed penalty. Matterface said as the clock ticked down, If this comes off, you can do what you want tonight. You've had a terrible 16 months. Kids, you can stay up. Don't you dare go to bed. The rest of you, call your boss. You ain't coming in in the morning. You deserve this. England deserve this. Feel it. Ride it. All that outpouring of emotion is just 50 seconds away. Just try to be safe and follow the rules. Otherwise, I'm going to be in one hell of a load of trouble. Former Hearts and Hibs midfielder Michael Stewart led the charge, tweeting, Does Sam Matterface think that no other nation has suffered from Covid? After the tough 16 months we've had, England deserves this. BBC reporter Tom English added, Sam Matterface, I have no words and I really wish you hadn't either. Where one Scotsman said, Sam Matterface telling viewers in Scotland you deserve this is without doubt the worst moment of the last 18 months. One added, Sam Matterface has lost the plot entirely, while another commented, Unbelievable that in Scotland we are in effect forced to listen to a match via the English club TV channel. However, they spare a thought for Denmark's stricken talisman, but this is England's night from Sam Matterface was next level shocking. Report by Mark Hendry. You're listening to the Glasgow Times, a Cune Review recording service podcast brought to you by our team of volunteers currently from their homes across the UK. Whether you're listening via the BWBF online players, the telephone app or our brand new Alexa skill, please phone us on 0141 772 3976 to feedback on what you want us to provide and improve upon. Remember to follow our Instagram, Facebook and Twitter at C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W. Evening Times Sport, July 9. 
British and Irish Lions to play Sharks for second time in four days. Report by Stuart Bathgate. The British and Irish Lions will play the Sell Sea Sharks for the second time in four days tomorrow in a match which will replace the scheduled game against the Bulls. The Lions, who beat the Sharks 54-7 at Ellis Park in Johannesburg on Wednesday, had been facing a blank weekend after the Bulls had to pull out of the planned fixture because of positive Covid tests within their squad. But the Sharks agreed to step into the breach even though their squad will have had little time in which to recover from their midweek defeat. The new match will go ahead at the original venue in Pretoria and the Lions are optimistic that some of their players who had to sit out Wednesday's game will be available. Two unnamed players will almost certainly still be sidelined after being identified as close contacts of a member of staff who tested positive. But another player, who also tested positive earlier in the week, has since returned a negative result from a new test, meaning both he and his close contacts should be free to play. Lions Managing Director Ben Calvelli said yesterday, We tested the individual again today and the test came back negative. He has to test again tomorrow, and if that also comes back negative, then he and all of his close contacts will be available for selection against the Sharks. If the player does test positive again, the Sharks game could yet be called off, as the Lions would not want to use all the same players who turned out in Wednesday's eight-try win. Some of those who turned out at short notice were playing their third game in a row following previous outings against Japan and the Sigma Lions and were clearly feeling the effects by the end of the Sharks match. Other members of Warren Gatlin's squad, by contrast, are notably short of match practice and the head coach is eager to give them game time with the three test series against the Springboks now just 15 days away. The cancellation of the Bulls game and the match between South Africa and Georgia, as well as the problems within the Lions camp, have led to increasing worries about the tests, which are due to be played in front of empty stands in Cape Town and Johannesburg at a time when crowds have returned to British venues like Wembley and Wimbledon. Some critics have consistently called for the test to be moved to the UK on safety grounds as well as to enable them to be played in front of supporters. Calvary insisted there were no plans in place to do that, although he did admit there was a possibility that all three matches rather than just the first one, could be played in Cape Town. He continued, We made the decision back in March that we would make this tour work in South Africa. 
At the moment, we have not deviated from the originally agreed schedule. But of course, we are contingency planning all the time. It is certainly not as simple as just hopping on a flight and playing the series out on British soil. We fly to Cape Town on Sunday, where we have more fixtures, and there are no plans for us to do anything different to that. We have two matches scheduled down in Cape Town. The current intention is that we play those matches there. What happens after that? We are currently in discussion with the South African Rugby Union. At the moment we have not deviated from the originally agreed schedule, but of course we are contingency planning all the time. The vast majority of the touring party have had two jags, according to Calvary, who would not say how many players had not been vaccinated at all, but insisted that the protocols in place were robust enough to ensure that the series will be completed. He continued, I think everybody has a right to make their own decision on whether or not they want to be vaccinated. We have a number of strategies in place to mitigate the risk in any environment. And I think it's wrong for anyone to think that vaccination is some sort of universal panacea. I'm afraid it's not. I'm confident that as long as we all exhibit the right behaviours, which we are, then we give it the absolute best possible chance of going the right way through to the end of that third test. Report by Stuart Bathgate. Evening Times Sport, July 9. Edinburgh announced friendly clashes at New Stadium. Report by Stuart Bathgate. Newcastle Falcons will be the first visitors to Edinburgh's new stadium when they play a pre-season friendly on the weekend of September 10. Italian side Benetton will head north a week later, with the exact dates and kick-off times for both fixtures due to be announced in the coming weeks. The two matches are included in Edinburgh's season ticket offer for the 2021-22 campaign, their first at the new ground, which is to be known as the Edinburgh Rugby Stadium and sits in the shadow of BT Murrayfield. These friendlies are excellent preparation for our upcoming campaign and, as a squad, we are really excited to run out in a new home for the first time, head coach Richard Cockerell said. It will be a big moment for everyone connected with the club. Benetton are a team we know well through the Pro 14 and they will be playing with confidence off the back of their Rainbow Cup triumph. Newcastle Falcons are a quality opponent who have recruited well so far this summer, when, while any team coached by Dean Richards will be tough to play against. It's good to have both fixtures in our sights as we prepare to begin the pre-season preparations in a fortnight's time. We can't wait to play in front of our home support again. Edinburgh Managing Director Douglas Struth said the forthcoming friendlies would mark a special moment in the history of the team, 
who in recent seasons have been playing their home matches at the National Stadium. He continued, announcing these warm-up fixtures is a significant milestone for the club and adds further excitement to what is set to be a really special inaugural season in our new home. All of us, players, staff and management, cannot wait to see our supporters back in stands next season. And that first match against Newcastle Falcons will be a celebratory and in many ways emotional moment as we acknowledge just how far we have come as a club through this pandemic. Report by Stuart Bathgate, Evening Time Sport, July 9. Scott Brown should be handed Aberdeen captain's armband. Report by Mark Hendry. Scott Brown should be handed the Aberdeen captain's armband. That's the view of former Don striker Joe Harper, who reckons the former Celtic skipper's experience in the role would be invaluable. Current squad leader Joe Lewis wears the responsibility, but Harper would, if he was manager Stephen Glass, pass the armband to Brown who has led club and country. Harper acknowledges there are a handful of candidates for the position as Glass's right-hand man on the pitch. But with a quadruple treble, nine in a row winning Celtic skipper now in their ranks, the Pataudry outfit would be mad not to hand him the job, especially given he is also number two off the park. Harper wrote in his Evening Express column, Summer signing Scott Brown should be the new Aberdeen captain, as he would bring so much experience and know-how to that role. That is in no way a slight on Joe Lewis, who has been a strong captain for the last two seasons, both on and off the field. Aberdeen boss Stephen Glass has confirmed he has yet to make a decision on who will skipper the club in the upcoming season. For me it has to be Brown, as he is the outstanding candidate. As captain of Celtic, he led the Parkhead club to nine in a row and an historic quadruple treble. That is invaluable experience and there is no other player in Scotland with that pedigree or track record. Report by Mark Hendry. Evening Time Sport, July 12. Five talking points as Steven Gerrard's side prepare for Arsenal clash. Report by Chris Jack. Rangers suffered their first defeat of pre-season on Saturday as Steven Gerrard's side lost to Tranmere. Kieran Morris got the only goal of the game with a fine strike from the edge of the area to give Mickey Mellon's Rovers a narrow victory. It was a game that Rangers should have won though, as a series of chances were squandered and Gerrard was frustrated with a below-par performance at Prenton Park. The champions are back in action when they host Arsenal next weekend. Here are five talking points ahead of the visit of the Gunners. Don't read too much into the result. 
anyone who overreacts to a performance or a scoreline at this stage of the season really should know better by now. These games are about fitness and sharpness and the defeat, however undeserved it was on the day, is ultimately meaningless for Rangers. Just like the win over Partick Thistle seven days ago, there is no need to analyse the action too deeply. In terms of getting players back up to speed, it was job done at Prenton Park. Gerard again utilised the majority of his squad as he made sweeping changes at the break, and while there was obvious frustration at the result, this isn't the time for supporters to start pressing the panic button. Gerard calls it right. There were few occasions during his first three years at Ibrooks where it was hard to disagree with how Gerard assessed 90 minutes, and that was the case here. He was firm but fair in his post-match remarks. Gerard told Rangers TV, The goal we conceded is embarrassing from our level and how we were last year. People jumping out of the way of tackles, people being soft and weak. I can't tolerate that. As we move along, we will get stronger, we will get better, and it will be a better level of performance. It is quite frustrating to lose the game, but, big picture, the result is not important at the moment. But the takeaway is where we have to improve, certainly in the final third. The Ibrooks boss was clearly irked by the plethora of chances that Rangers spurned, and he will surely emphasise that point once again in the coming days, after his side lost a game that they should have won comfortably. But he would strike the right balance between going over the top in terms of criticism and being pointed enough to let his players know that he expects better of them going forward. Lundström settles in quickly. When it comes to positives to take from the trip to Merseyside, the debut showing from John Lundström certainly falls into that category for Rangers. The midfielder may only have had 45 minutes on the park, but it was an assured outing as supporters got their first look at the former Sheffield United star. Lundström will have a key part to play this term, and this was a solid start as he looks to settle in and get up to speed as quickly as possible at Ibrooks. Gerard said, I thought for large parts of the first half, John cruised it. You can see what he is going to give us. I think he tired a little bit. He has been pushed really hard at this week. He definitely went into the game tired, but you can see his quality, see his presence on the pitch. He is only going to get better and better. He was a positive for me today. Arsenal will be more indicative. The approach from Gerrard has been clear during Rangers' first two outings against Thistle and Tranmere, and the majority of his squad now have game time under their belts. 
There are still some, such as Borna Barisic, Glenn Kamara, Scott Arfield, Alfredo Morelos, and new recruit fashion Sakala that have yet to feature, and the coming weeks will give them a chance to step up their preparations for the big kickoff. The visit of Arsenal will be a significant rise in challenge for Rangers. Gerard has already laid down the gauntlet to his players ahead of the meeting with Mikel Arteta's side. Said Gerard, I think the first two weeks is all about minutes, about getting people through it, about getting volume into the legs. I think now from Monday morning, we will have a look at this game and it is about people impressing and training to play. Now I am going to pick teams for 60 minutes, so if you are not performing now, then we can't carry anyone. The season is so important as we move along. People need to impress now and play well, otherwise they are not going to get many minutes. Squad men need to catch the eye. Given the names that have been missing from Gerrard's ranks so far this summer, those that are involved just now really need to make the most of it and grab their opportunities. It is hard to see the likes of George Edmondson, Jordan Jones or Brandon Barker forcing their way into Gerrard's starting lineup, and summer exits appear on the cards. These fixtures may not give them a chance to secure a long-term future at Ibrox, but they do provide a platform for them to impress a potential suitor and ensure they are in shape ahead of a likely move before the close of business. Report by Chris Jack Evening Time Sport, July 12 Scotland's Finn Russell out of next three British and Irish Lions matches in South Africa. Report by David Barnes Finn Russell will miss the next three scheduled matches for the Lions in South Africa with an Achilles issue meaning that he will not be in contention to play for the tourists again before the week of the first test of their three-match series against the world champion Springboks on 24th of July. Harlequin standoff Marcus Smith has been called up to the squad as injury cover. The 22-year-old, who played 66 minutes for England against Canada at the weekend, kicked nine conversions in a 70-14 win and will fly out to South Africa. Head coach Warren Gatlin said, We are obviously disappointed for Finn, who I think has been outstanding since he came into camp in Jersey, but we are optimistic he will still play an important role in the tour. We have two experienced fly halves in Owen Farrell and Dan Bigger, so it is a great opportunity for the continued development of Marcus. I have been following him closely for the past 12 months and I have been impressed with how well he's matured as a player. 
Finn and Marcus are similar in that they like to play with a bit of freedom. So, for me, it's as close to a like-for-like cover as we can get. We look forward to welcoming him to the group in Cape Town. Report by David Barnes. Evening Time Sport, July 12. Euro 2020 Final. Glasgow fan zone curfew blasted as embarrassing. Report by Ruth Sutter. Glasgow's Euro 2020 fan zone curfew has been blasted as embarrassing as visitors missed out on watching the trophy being lifted yesterday evening. Jubilant punters were asked to leave the space at Glasgow Green shortly before 11pm due to the venue's licensing conditions. Writing on Twitter, Glasgow UEFA said they were unable to stay open long enough for fans to watch the trophy being handed over to the winning side. A statement read, Our license does not allow us to open past 11pm, so we are unable to stay open long enough to allow people to watch the Euro 2020 trophy being awarded. Scores of football fans have since shared their dismay, dubbing the conditions as a fail. One person said, Fail, a fan zone set up specifically for the Euros cannot show the conclusion. Another added, Absolutely disgusting. Why did you not plan for this? There was always a chance it would go to penalties and therefore the time would be pushed. Such bad managers. Do you understand football? The embarrassment is finally complete, wrote another fan. Darren Armstrong said, Laughing stock, so we are. What an embarrassment. And Tom McVeigh said, Utter joke. The nail-biting finale saw Roberto Mancini's squad win 3-2 in penalties at Wembley Stadium. Revellers in Glasgow congregated at George Square and in Queen's Park to fly Italian flags and celebrate Italy's triumph against England. Report by Ruth Sutter Evening Time Sport July 13 Former Rangers kid Nicky Hogarth completes Nottingham Forest switch. Report by Mark Hendry. Former Rangers youngster Nicky Hogarth has completed his move to Nottingham Forest after being released. The 20-year-old goalkeeper was freed by Rangers in June and his representatives set about finding him a new club. It was reported at the time that the championship side were after his signature and they have now confirmed the deal. Nottingham Forest under-23's head coach Andy Reid beamed at getting the deal over the line for a player he admires. He told the club website, Nicky has good experience around the first team with Rangers, so it's a really good addition for us. A lot of work has gone into the recruitment and we are delighted to get it over the line. He is a player that we've got a lot of hope for. There's a lot of hard work ahead, 
but we are pleased to be able to work with him. He's got a real presence, a great stature, and a really mature head on his shoulders. If he continues to learn and develop with the fantastic staff that we have here, there is no reason why he can't kick on. Report by Mark Hendry Evening Times Sport July 13 Ice Hockey Glasgow clan appoint experienced Canadian as their new coach. Report by Craig Anderson Glasgow clan have appointed a new coach in experienced Canadian Malcolm Cameron. The Canadian fills the role which was vacated in April 2020 and was previously held by Zach Fitzgerald. Gareth Chalmers, the clan's chief operating officer, says his previous experience was key to the decision, revealing there was sizable interest in the role. Chalmers said, we have spent a considerable amount of time looking at almost 30 different candidates for the role. With the anticipated exciting new developments at the club, it was imperative we were able to appoint someone who would bring head coaching experience as well as having carried out a previous hockey operations role off the ice. His coaching experience and record was obviously key in the decision-making. However, his invaluable recruiting experience, extensive contacts and connection to Scotland were fundamental in the decision-making process. After interviewing a number of candidates, all with very impressive backgrounds and experience, we felt Malcolm was the best person for the position. Malcolm is extremely excited to be coming to Scotland and joining the clan. We are looking forward to welcoming him to Glasgow for an exciting new period for everyone associated with the club. The club are still in the midst of negotiation with asset management firm Global Mutual over the operation of Brayhead Arena following the collapse of Into last year. Clan have teased there have been positive discussions, but full details have yet to be disclosed about the detail of how they'll take over the venue, which has been their home since 2010. It is the first real sign they are on the verge of returning, between the uncertainty over their home and the coronavirus pandemic which led to the league shutting down in March 2020. For Cameron, who has Scottish ancestry, he joins from Romania side Georgioi, where he coached until earlier this year, and is the fifth highest in games coached and wins in the East Coast Hockey League. Report by Craig Anderson Evening Time Sport, July 13 Matt Lindsay says, Gareth Southgate is England's best manager since Sir Alf Ramsey, but he is to blame for their Euro 2020 failure. Gareth Southgate's failure to convert a penalty against Germany at Wembley 
famously cost England a place in the final of the European Championships 25 years ago. His inability to select the correct spot kick takers for the shootout with Italy at the same venue denied his country victory in the same tournament on Sunday night. Southgate has unquestionably done a superb job since, to the disbelief of some supporters and disapproval of many media pundits, he took charge of his national team following the sudden resignation of Sam Allardyce in 2016. He is, having now led his men to the Russia 28 semi-final and the Euro 2020 final, the most successful English manager after Sir Alf Ramsey. The former Crystal Palace, Aston Villa and Middlesbrough man has certainly had a wealth of exceptional talent, a golden generation of players at his disposal during the past five years. Pedro Caxina would be made to look like Rina's Michels if he had Trent Alexander-Arnold, Phil Foden, Jack Grealish, Jordan Henderson, Harry Kane, Marcus Rashford, Declan Rice, Bukayo Saka, Raheem Sterling, John Stones and Kyle Walker in his squad. But every one of Southgate's predecessors, Graeme Taylor, Terry Venables, Glenn Hoddle, Sven Goran Eriksson, Steve McLaren, Fabio Capello and Roy Hodgson could select genuine world-class stars as well and none of them fared as well. An individual who was widely considered to be too nice for the high-profile role when he was promoted from the England under-21 post has an inner steel that enables him to withstand the intense scrutiny he is under. What is more, he conducts himself with dignity and decorum. He is a difficult bloke to dislike. He has excellent man-management skills and good tactical awareness too. His decision to switch from a 4-2-3-1 to a 3-4-2-1 formation, drop the on-form Saka, deploy Kyle Walker as a right-sided centre-back and use Luke Shaw and Kieran Trippier as wing-backs in the final, stunned an expectant nation. Yet Shaw got on the end of a Trippier cross in just the second minute and scored. In the first half, England were the better team. They contained rivals who were on a 33-game unbeaten run magnificently, albeit without troubling the opposition defence significantly after taking their early lead. But the margins between success and failure are infinitesimal. Southgate must shoulder full responsibility for the harrowing defeat England suffered. His decisions from half-time onwards meant the 1966 World Cup winners failed to end 55 years of hurt. Italy bossed the second half. They dominated possession, applied relentless pressure 
and deserved to draw level in the 67th minute. When Saka replaced Trippier with 20 minutes remaining, England rallied. When Jack Grealish came on for Mason Mount in extra time, they regained control of proceedings, but they were unable to seriously test the Italian goalkeeper. Why did Southgate wait so long to make changes? It was obvious to everyone inside the stadium and to the millions watching at home that they were required. Why too did he wait until the last minute of extra time to put on Rashford and Jadon Sancho? They may well have been the most clinical penalty kick takers in training, but they had been sat on their backsides on the bench for over two hours. They both failed to convert from 12 yards. And why, oh why, oh why, was Saka given the fifth spot kick? The data may have suggested he was best placed to net. Apparently he had been rattling them in for fun for weeks. But it is one thing doing it at St George's Park in front of a handful of folk. It is quite another doing it at Wembley with a crowd of 67,173 looking on and the Euro 2020 on the line. The boy is, for all his ability, just 19. He had never taken, never mind scored, a penalty in senior football. It was an absurd and costly decision. Typically, Southgate held his hands up and took the blame, but the bizarre move rightly drew condemnation from throughout the game. Is it any wonder that Kane and Harry Maguire, two senior players who had been on the pitch since kickoff, were the only England players to beat the goalkeeper? Sterling, Grealish or even Shaw would have been far better options. It is to be hoped that Arsenal youngster Saka, who was exceptional during the tournament, recovers from the traumatic experience isn't scarred by the sickening racist abuse he was subjected to on social media afterwards, along with Rashford and Sancho, and goes on to fulfil his vast potential in future. He was the first player that Southgate went over to console after Italy had triumphed. The England manager understands exactly what the kid is going through having suffered the same fate at Euro 96. He is, then, well placed to help the winger bounce back, but he should never have been put in that position in the first place. The 50-year-old himself will learn from Euro 2020. It would be foolish to rule out his chances of taking his men through to the latter stages of Qatar 2022 next year and possibly even returning home victorious. But if he makes more errors at crucial moments in the Middle East, there will be the same outcome. At the end of what was an enjoyable and entertaining tournament, justice was probably done. England only won their semi-final against a Denmark team who were far from their best after an energy-sapping trip to London from Baku 
in Azerbaijan at Wembley last week, thanks to a soft penalty award. It was a hollow victory. Italy were the best team at the finals. To acquit themselves as well as they did in such a hostile environment on Sunday was remarkable and said much about their mental strength. They were immense in defence, midfield and attack. Nobody can begrudge Giorgio Cialelli and his teammates their triumph. But it was still a huge opportunity missed by England. They played all but one of their seven games on home soil, with large and vocal crowds cheering them on. They will not get a better chance to end their run of disappointment and failure again, says Matthew Lindsay. Evening Time Sport, July 13. Rangers prospect Ben Williamson pens new deal. Report by Mark Henry. Rangers youngster Ben Williamson has put pen to paper on a new two-year deal at Ibrox. The midfielder has also been sent out on loan to Livingston for the upcoming season, as he and manager Stephen Gerrard hope he can play minutes in the Premiership. The 19-year-old Williamson was a standout on loan at Arbroath in the Championship last season, but wanted to try his luck in the top tier of the Scottish game. Lions boss David Martindale moved swiftly to organise the loan move, which will see him turn out at the Tony Macaroni Arena for the upcoming season. The player made an appearance for the Rangers' first team earlier this pre-season against Tranmere and is considered a promising prospect for the future. Martindale told the Livingston website, I am delighted that both Ben himself and Rangers FC have chosen Livingston as the club best placed to help Ben in his progression. I watched Ben in action a number of times last season whilst watching Jack Hamilton and Carlo Pinacello at Arbroath and was always impressed. I really believe he has a great future in the game and I am happy to get him on board here. Ben hasn't long made his Scotland under 21 debut which tells you the quality the lad possesses. I must say a big thank you to Rangers Football Club, Ben, and his agent Pete Cormack for working with us to make the deal happen. Report by Mark Hendry. Evening Time Sport, July 13. Stephen Welsh on his hopes to share Celtic success with his parents and Champions League ambitions. Report by Graeme McGarry It would have been understandable at points last season if the Celtic players were not overly eager to have their fans back in the stands given some of the results that were served up. But for Stephen Welsh, their absence was a huge factor in the team's struggles last term. So it goes without saying that the youngster is keen to have the backing of those supporters as soon as possible. But the defender is particularly looking forward 
to his own biggest fans being able to get behind him in person. With his mum and dad unable to attend games as he made his mark in the Celtic first team last season. Given it was thanks in large part to their sacrifices that Welsh has made it to this point in his career, it was frustrating for both him and his parents not to be able to share those moments, but he is eager to make up for lost time as restrictions ease and stadiums across Scotland begin to open up at last. Welsh said, Dad is a massive Celtic fan. He has done everything for me since I was about seven or eight. He took me to training every night, having to leave work early, doing all the travelling with me. So over the last 14 years, my mum and dad have done everything for me. I just want to pay them back and let them watch me play for Celtic, which was his dream as well. If I have had a bad game, he doesn't really say anything. I think he knows that I know if I don't play well. He saw my debut, a 4-1 win away to Hamilton in February 2020. He has been frustrated the full season, having to watch us on TV. He says that's been a nightmare, especially when I scored my first goal against Motherwell. He was obviously happy, but he was raging he wasn't there. Hopefully he can get back in next season to see me play. A full house at Celtic Park would be incredible. The fans here are like a twelfth man for us. They have helped us win massive games before and hopefully they can do it again. You probably saw across all European leagues that the fans were missed massively. When they came back in, you saw how much of a difference it made. The atmosphere at the Euros has been unbelievable, so we are really looking forward to getting everyone back in. Welsh is proud to follow his dad's example in most regards anyway. His disciplinary record as a footballer, though, apparently left something to be desired. He said, he keeps me grounded. He always tells me to come in and work hard, do the basics, and I'll be okay. He never played professional, but football has been his life. It's the same for the whole family. So it's been a real privilege to play here and be part of it. Dad played junior, he was a midfielder, but he was sent off so often I never got to see him play much. Hopefully that's not rubbed off on me. One player whose influence did rub off on a young Welsh was Eric Svatjenko, with the centre-back a regular in the Celtic first team when he was coming up through the youth ranks. Given their similar physical stature, Welsh says that training with the Danish defender was a valuable lesson for him, though their friendship will be placed on hold when Svetjenko's Mitchelland side come to Glasgow next week on Champions League qualifying duty. Welsh said, I was training in the invincible season 
and Eric was almost a mainstay in that team. He was excellent. I would watch him in training and then playing at the weekend. We are a similar height as well. He wasn't the tallest, so I could see what he did and how he used his body. The Champions League qualifiers have generally been viewed as coming too soon for the Celtic side, with new manager Ange Postecoglou still trying to get his ideas across to a squad that could do with numerous reinforcements. Despite the rather threadbare appearance of their squad though, Welsh says their ambitions to reach the group stages of the competition remain undimmed. He said, every player wants to play in the Champions League games. You'd be lying if you said you didn't. It's the highest level of club competition against the best players. That's something we are all striving to play in. We'll go into these games looking to win and with a lot of confidence. We are looking forward. They are big games early on. But Callum McGregor, James Forrest and the other experienced guys are used to that. They have that experience of going to play in tough countries against tough teams. So that's good for us. It has been a tough pre-season so far. But that's what you expect. Everyone is just looking forward to the games coming up. It's been really good working for the new manager. Very positive. I am loving the training so far. So hopefully we can implement those drills into games. Every manager has his own way of playing. But I'm really enjoying the gaffer's training just now. And it's quite exciting the way he wants us to play. Report by Graham McGarry. And that was this week's Glasgow Times Sport Podcast, normally recorded in our studio at the Bishop Briggs Media Centre, currently recorded from our volunteers' homes with the publisher's kind permission. Thanks for listening.